This is, once again, your host, Chloe Valdry. Welcome to the Theory of Enchantment podcast. We have some really exciting things for you this week. I will be interviewing my friend, Julie Smolanski, and we'll be talking about overcoming things we experience as millennials and professionals, and how we're both trying to really go for our dreams and the obstacles that we confront in pursuing those dreams. So that will come a little later in the show. But first, a little bit of housekeeping. A couple of exciting things to tell you guys about. This week, I published an essay in Commentary Magazine entitled Blackness is Whiteness and Whiteness is Blackness. And this essay is really an exploration of the concept of intersectionality. Uh, A few of the reasons why I think intersectionality is problematic in terms of understanding human nature and the human condition, and why it's also antithetical to great art. So be sure to check that out. It's on commentarymagazine.com. You can also see it on my Twitter, at cvaldery. Something else which is cool A podcast should be coming out this week that I did with a really cool and funny woman named Bridget Fitazzi. I am probably mispronouncing her name, so sorry about that. But I had a really lovely conversation with her, so be sure to look for that coming in the works soon. It should be on both her Twitter and my Twitter, again, at cvaldery. So be sure to follow us, take a look, and... uh, check out those two pieces of content. The Theory of Enchantment is all about looking at influencers and some of the ideas they bring to bear on the world and how those ideas have really helped shape our society and different ways that we think about interacting with each other. So this segment is going to be called The Influencers. And every time this segment starts, I will talk about a popular figure whose ideas have inspired us, moved us, and changed the way we think about the world. This week's influencer is Kendrick Lamar. Now, why Kendrick Lamar? Why start with him? I think that it's important to point out that Kendrick Lamar can teach us a lot of cool things about life especially if we examine some of his lyrics, which are compelling and really paint a picture and a window into the soul of the human condition. One of the songs that really made me think when I first heard it was the song DNA. Now, of course, I had heard other songs from many of his other albums before his latest album came out, which is what DNA is on. But the reason why DNA made me think so much is because in one of the first few opening lines he says I got power poison pain and joy inside my DNA which really resonated with me to say that you have power poison pain and joy inside your DNA is to be extremely introspective and self-aware of all of the things that you have within you Uh, we as human beings I think this speaks to this fact we as human beings have incredible incredible power we have the power to do incredible things, but we also have the power to do evil things. We have the power to build, and we have the power to destroy. 
we have the power to love, and we have the power to hate. And all these things come from and stem from sources within us, impulses within us. Some of those impulses are good and some of them are bad. And I'm sure you've had, as I've had, both good thoughts and bad thoughts. And it's up to us to actively choose which thoughts we're going to act on. One of the things that makes Kendrick Lamar's work so powerful is that it tells the individual story. And I think that's why uh, it resonates so much. I think I remember once him giving an interview uh, saying that this is one of the reasons why he talks about his vulnerabilities and his imperfections. It's because he wants you, the audience, the listener, to be able to really relate and for his ideas to resonate with you because he knows that you have some of the same vulnerabilities and some of the same insecurities that he has. He thinks that by sharing with those with you, then you'll be able to see him and see yourself in his lyrics. And that is really what forms the basis of Great Connection. Welcome to the Theory of Enchantment podcast. My friend Julie, how do I pronounce your last name? Smolansky. Julie Smolansky is with me today. And hi Chloe. Hi Julie. <laughs> and this is super exciting because Julie is my first interviewee. So yeah, so we've known each other for like a year now, I think. Yeah, a little bit more, but yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um, and where do you work? Tell us a bit about where you yeah, work. Yeah, so I am the director of the Selman Lawrence Rubin Center for 20 and 30s at the JCC of Manhattan. Um, so yeah, we do a lot of really cool programming for Jews in their 20s and 30s. Um, big parties, smaller like speaker sessions, smaller classes, but I'm really enjoying it. I've been there for a month, so. Very cool. Very, very cool. And how did you like get into what you're doing now? That's a good question. So I have always been super involved Jewishly, mm -hmm. but I really never, ever thought that it would become a career. I went to school for fashion merchandising and art history and um, strategic communications, thinking that I was going to do fashion PR. That's mm -hmm. why I moved to New York. And I briefly did that. I did PR for like lifestyle um, companies and I was just felt really empty I had just moved into New York three years ago and I miss like having that community and yeah. I kind of made the switch and like everyone in like fashion and lifestyle is it sounds so glamorous yeah and it is like there are so many amazing perks but I just felt and maybe it was just where I was working but right. I just felt like people were, like empty inside Say more about that. Like, what what gave you the feeling that they were empty inside? I just felt there was, like, a lot of cattiness, a lot wow. of pretentiousness. Like, yeah. people just didn't seem to have the same values as me. And, yeah. you know, obviously, like, I didn't know everyone. It was, like, a big PR agency. And it was less of, like, a community feel than any Jewish organization mm -hmm. that you'll ever anyone will ever work for just because that's just how people who work for those types of organizations are nonprofits right. in general, but it was just not who I was. And I just like had to get out. I like had a quarter life crisis moment where like I called my mentor from Minnesota yeah. where I'm from. And I was like, I need, I want to move home. Like, what do I do? And she's like, no, you need to stick it out. Like you have always wanted to move to New York. You need to give it a year. And after a year, if you want to go home, fine. That's good advice. Cause you never know what you can like take or overcome until you like, 
like try to force yourself to get through it for Absolutely. a certain amount of time you know and i tell this to everyone who moves to new york but it's like really scary moving to new york it's and so scary Ter- i was terrified when i moved to new york three years ago right? so many terrified people, like the first years are the loneliness loneliest yes. and like scariest scariest years and you have just have to get through it. I always tell people like you have, you have to, to remind force yourself, yourself yeah. why you're there and it'll take time for you to get your people. But once you like get there, like it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I, it's so funny. Cause I do feel like now finally at this point being here three years, I like am, am a part of New York. Like I get exactly. it. I get I, New York. I love that we've been here for the same amount of time. Yeah. It's like we like get it. Yeah. Like we understand There's the like psychology yeah. of New York. Exactly. Right? Um, so all of you like newbies to New York, just like stick it out. Stick it out. You can like see the beautiful skyline and remi- remind yourself why you came here. Yeah, and I feel like there's there's this the grass is always greener type mentality where like if you're in a place, you assume that being out of it, it's better. So for example, how you may have felt when you first came here, and then you ha- you were longing for Minnesota, right? Because New York was scary and and made made us vulnerable essentially and i feel like that's how it is in the beginning but like that's probably true of someone living in minnesota who sees the bright lights of new york and says you know oh i want to go there i want to escape this community and go to that community not realizing that it's always this the grass is always greener situation right yeah absolutely all about perspective um so given that you've grown as a person moving to new york what are some of the top three qualities that you didn't know you had um, that you've learned from and that you've learned that you actually do have from having new and challenging experiences being in New York City? Um, I think that, you know, being from Minnesota, I grew up in Minneapolis. I, you know, everyone always says like Minnesota nice. And it's true. Like people <laughs> there, yeah, they don't speak their mind. They don't speak their, what they're truly thinking. Everyone's really nice to each other. And like, that's just like how I grew up. Like people don't confront each other about issues and, are they like passive aggressive? Yeah, passive aggressive. Yeah. And being in New York, and especially when I when I first started working um, in Jewish nonprofit world, I was working for Israeli companies. So mm-hmm. bringing that also the Israeli element to it, like yeah. we were always screaming at each other. Right? Like so many <laughs> the opinions, exact opposite of passive so aggressive. So <laughs> many like strong personalities, yeah. which is just what New York is like. Right. It's like is, that's like New York, except New York is that, but on steroids. Right. And so yeah. at first, like I was, I vividly remember sitting in a conference room, like with all of these new people. And granted, I was new, and like anyone that's new in a setting can feel that way. But I also was new to New York, and. I remember being like, oh my God, I'm never going to feel comfortable to talk like this. Right. And I was like horrified <laughs> by my colleagues. Like fast forward to a year and a half later, like I was like screaming around yeah. the table being like, I don't agree with this and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I think that New York has taught me to speak my mind. Like I've always been an opinionated person on the inside, mm-hmm. but I've always just like held my tongue and like yeah. waited and like relied on other people's opinions and thoughts to like form my own. Yeah. And in New York, like, people just don't do that. And like, I've just learned to like speak up for myself, like voice my opinions and like make sure that I'm heard. Speaking up for yourself is huge. Like I, even today, even though I've, you know, been in New York for a while, I feel like I still struggle with that sometimes. Cause like I think to myself, Oh, what are they going to think if I speak up for myself or if I voice an opinion that's contrarian or, you know, there's this tension between wanting people to like you and and just like wanting to say what you need to say you know absolutely and it's always also like 
I'm not perfect. Like it's always yeah. like I've also struggled with like, eh, I don't really want to say something now. Like, should I? Like, right. I think that people are evolving and you know, it, it'll take time. And I don't necessarily think that you should always say what you're thinking also. Like yeah. it's, you know, obviously people need to use their best judgment, but it's, um, yeah. So I think that's definitely one. Yeah. I think that New York has taught me to take more risks and like, I, you know, I've always, I think been, I think the person I am now I've always had inside of me, but it just took yes. me to move to New York to find myself. It's like latent. Yeah. Right. It's like, uh, it's like everything you wished you, you were everything you yeah. want. Like it's the way you perceive yourself, but not quite the way you actually are. And then like New York, it's like beckoning you yes. to become that person. Yeah. I, so taking risks, yeah. I think that, you know, at least I tell people, you know, if you're going to move to New York, you need to take advantage of New York because otherwise it's just like a city. Right. And I, you know, being that I wanted to end up here and I ended up here, I made it a goal for myself to take risks. Yeah. And I think that the reason why I have, you know, I feel so strongly that like I have found a part of myself and that I love New York so much. And like the place in my life that I am now is that I really take advantage of New York. And I think that I can take more risks and do more, but you know, like, I use, I'm a very calculated risk taker. Like That's I will good. always be that person, but sometimes like you just have to live on the edge and yeah, some of the most like, for magical, it. like every New Yorker will know what I'm talking about when I'm saying yeah. like a magical New York moment, like some yeah. spontaneous random that happens that you're like, this only happens here. Like <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how I ended up at this place with these people. And it's incredible. I, and felt, I felt that way the first time I was at your friend Julie's house. For mm. Axel's going away party. Oh my, exactly. Just because was I wasn't. An iconic New York it, moment. It wasn't what I was expecting. And it was so random. So, okay, back up. Um, so my friend Jules, she's awesome. Um, she's a meditation teacher and a yoga teacher. And she, um, through this like tribal going away party for our friend Axel, who was moving to Israel. And basically imagine like a New York rooftop with lights yeah. and like this tribal music yeah. and like. Chloe brought her drum. Yeah, I literally. <laughs> it was incredible. I literally was there for about ten minutes, and I was like, "Wait a minute, this is missing something." And I went home and bought. I just picked up my mini djembe, and I was like, "I brought it back, and I just, I just jammed the entire time." It was amazing. It was amazing. People were like, "Wait, did you hire like a tribal drummer to come?" And I was like, "No, Chloe just happens to have this incredible drum, yeah. and she's basically a professional." So. <laughs> Cool. It was a, definitely an amazing Just don't New give, York let moment. me touch that drum right. I have no rhythm it's a struggle um, but like moments like that that make you you're like oh my god this is such a spiritual experience and like it did makes, feel spiritual yeah yeah and it makes you feel closer to yourself and like to the New York experience so so I love I love Oprah to segue oh, love her <laughs> isn't she the best yeah. the absolute best um, she's my like spirit animal is her show still going no, but she has a channel now, so I feel oh, like she doesn't. And need- a magazine. <laughs> she doesn't really. She doesn't really need a show. She has an entire channel. Please tell me you seen that meme of her like jumping to get the photo of her magazine, and she's like, "No." Okay, just Google like Oprah jumping to pose for her photo. Okay. And it's just like <laughs> everyone Google that. I've ever never seen. seen that. Um, I will definitely yes. Google that after this. Side note. That's amazing. Um, so like I was listening to this interview of hers on another podcast called what it takes which is a great podcast where like a lot of famous people are interviewed about their life 
And she says, like, that you should always go for your instinct. Like, always trust yes. your instincts. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. no matter what. Even, even if your instincts are actually wrong, like, always. I'm always battling with that. Yeah, same. I'm always battling with it. Like, I've gotten better at it since I've been here and since I've, like, like said yes to more things. Um, but there is this, like, self-sabotaging, self-doubt thing yeah. that people naturally go through, I think. Um, so I guess my question would be given that, given this <laughs> advice from on high from Oprah to always trust your instincts, what would you say your instincts are telling you is like your calling in life? Like your, wow, <laughs> just kind that's of like, a really <laughs> big question. Okay. But no, okay. Like your purpose in life, you know, like my purpose in life. Yeah. Um, I mean my, so I'm just gonna go with my instinct here. Yes. Yes. But Implement my it. passion is providing people with memorable experiences. That's like, amazing. Whatever that is, like I, I, it makes sense that I'm in event planning yeah. um, because that's essentially what we're doing. But, you know, I've thought about, you know, what I like re- since the Powerball is, you know, <laughs> happening, I've had like many thoughts about what I would someone, do if I won a billion dollars. Has anyone won that? I've won something for the first time in my entire life this week. So I have once I've bought so many tickets because <laughs> I just feel like I'm going to win. You were like, yes. So Wait, have they announced it yet? I think it's tonight. Oh yeah. Good to know. Okay. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, I've thought about, you know, I want to own my own business one day and like maybe yeah. like a hotel or like a bar or whatever it is. But I think at the end of the day, like what all those things have in common is like, I want to provide an experience that people remember and like brings people together. Yeah. I, the reason why I've thought about getting into like the hospitality or like, you know, opening a bar or restaurant is I, nothing makes me happier when like I walk into a place that like everything's right. Like, right. The have you lighting, been to the, the li- have you been to the line hotel in dc no it's something i've never Oof. i've never seen a hotel like this before it's like, i was not expecting like, the t- attention to detail <laughs> exactly like, places like that where you just walk in and everything's right yeah and it's like the perfect setting for the a birthday party or like just meeting a friend or whatever like i just want to provide something like memorable and meaningful for people yeah and i don't i think that can take on a lot of forms but i think that's my calling our entire lives we've been told what to like and what to not like like Mm. from a little from from like a very young age it's like we've been conditioned we've been conditioned to like and like certain things and not like other things and i think that going into adulthood like we are saying that we like things even though we don't like things and it's like preventing us from doing what we love can you give me an example of that um let me try I know we're getting like really like, philosophical. It's like kind of hard, but um, <laughs> it's a good stuff. <laughs> like I think that. I mean, I think it's like com- coming down to like taking risks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is a specific enough example, but like I think that a lot of the times, what prevents people from taking a risk or saying yes to something is like their fear or like their condition to being like that's not what I'm supposed to do okay like i'm scared because my mind is telling me like you know i shouldn't go with these strangers right one like random place right right? right. and like don't like go with like sketchy people to like random places and like you don't want anything bad to happen to you (laughs) but like 
that can actually lead to like a beautiful thing and like a really cool experience. And I think that just like being more open minded and like following your instincts. Yeah. I think this, I think what you're illustrating is sort of this interesting dichotomy that I've discovered that exists between the head and the heart. Yes. So, oh my God. Yes. Okay. So the head, it, this is something I've experienced, like from an evolutionary perspective, the head is always fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's very much concerned with matters of safety and personal security because this is how we evolved like we were living in the savannas and we could be eaten by lions and so we were always thinking like fight or flight um but now that we live in 2018 we our hearts are often are often now there's no real difference between the head and the heart obviously it's on the head but it feels like like the heart is saying go with your gut like go with your instinct and and the head is always trying to override that like saying like fight or flight yeah and this interesting question of like when to trust which one or just do you in general just trust the heart even when the instincts that you have are wrong right like to have good Mm -hmm. faith that it will all work out in the end so it's an interesting question i have friends that like i think it's a spectrum and i have friends that like only follow their heart and, and I'm, that's- like, a little worried about them sometimes. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, you, like, are you sure you want to do that? Right. Right? And then there's people that, like, only use their head. And I think it's mm-hmm. finding that balance of, like, and that's when I say, like, I'm a calculated risk taker. Because, right. like, I think that's me trying to find my balance between using my head and my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of going back to what you were saying about, um, you know, accomplishing, like, your purpose in life, like, I think it's a journey. I think people get really overwhelmed about like accomplishing. Like, right. It's like, their goals oh, it's and, so like, meta. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it, it can, it doesn't have to be it's, now. And, yeah. Like, yeah. People get really overwhelmed. It's a day it's, by like, day. Take it day by day. And like, you don't like, I don't see like, yes. Like I've, I like daydream about like what my future might be like. Right. But, like I don't sit there and like dwell about like all the little details about what's going to go into like what my, what my future to look like. I just trust myself right. and my instinct and like, I know that I, you know, I've done well up to this point that like, I know that I will take the steps I need to get wherever I need, wherever I need to go. Right. Uh, it's a great segue. And you know, the theory of enchantment is all about self-actualization and overcoming obstacles, but it's also specifically about the ideas that flow from pop culture and like how pop culture, pop cultural influencers, generate these ideas and put them out into the world and how those ideas then help us think about the way we will exist in the world and they shape how we how we go about our day so like you know when a when a super iconic song or super uh, powerful song or super powerful anthem comes on by rihanna or by beyonce or something we not only sing that we will associate that song with exciting things that happen in our lives right yeah or like when some artist sings something about himself being vulnerable or feeling sad like when we're sad we might play that song so like these end up being the soundtracks of our lives essentially love that (laughs) so much so i'm curious like if there are any you know influencers in pop culture that you like or that you really love and like why or why do you gravitate to them and it could be anything doesn't have to be music right something that i'm like pretty passionate about and i actually don't think that like most people that know me would like think that i'm like super outspoken about it but like mm-hmm. i'm pretty passionate about it is body positivity mm-hmm. and i think that you know i have never been skinny nor will i ever be like that is just who i am and i'm like totally yeah. fine with that and you know i'm confident 
like in my body in the way that I am and um, I think that that message is like really important for women and for men also I think that we're in a time right now where like a lot of I think social media influencers and models are really like stepping out and talking about body positivity. Like for example, Ashley Graham is like Mm -hmm. this huge name and like, she's really been out there like advocating and saying like, you know, most women are not a size two, right? You know, like the average woman is a size 14. Yeah. And I think that, for a long time when you know people were looking at magazines or online or on tv like they were seeing like beautiful people you know quote unquote beautiful yeah that beautiful is like what is like this construct that was like created right? right and it was really hard to relate to and i think that it really paints like a negative image for a lot of you know especially women i think just because i'm a woman i'm going to speak to that but yeah. i think it's hard to have self-confidence and be able to really you know do the things that you're passionate about because it can really hold you back right and i think that you know i've always been really like not insecure i guess about you seem very confident like i i think that confidence is something that i've worked towards yeah but i've never been like a super insecure person i wouldn't say that i was like a confident super confident person but i was never like super insecure but i think that you know when i follow a lot of influencers that i follow on social media are you know these body positive influencers and i think when you fill your feed with you know these images like helps you you know it helps women and the general public realize that, you know, we're kind of changing like the scope of, you know, what beauty means. And I think that that's really important for everybody. Um, So I guess that's kind of like an important issue to me. And I Mm -hmm. think that it's going to be interesting to see. I think that there's like a lot of clothing brands out there that um, are also, you know, starting to be more size inclusive, which I think is a really beautiful thing. Yeah. And I think like coming from the fashion world, I used to, you know, I studied fashion in school and I thought that I would be making a career out of it. That might be why I just like want everyone to feel beautiful and accepted and wanted. Like that's what I want. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So it's, come yeah. and talk to me. So like, wait, like, but which body positive influencers would you recommend people follow on that's Instagram? That's a really, really good question. So definitely I would say Ashley Graham. She's yeah. just like amazing. I met her once at her book signing. You know, she um, has designed like a size inclusive um, lingerie line. She like has a book about her life and modeling. Yeah. Um, so Ashley Graham for sure. I would say also another one of my favorite influencers would be Alex Michael May. She's just like a blogger and lifestyle influencer. Um, There's a duo, um, Nicolette Mason and um, Gabby Gregory, who started a new clothing line called Prem. Um, I would say they're like really great people to um, follow. And I think that, you know, there are a lot of different, you know, plus size models out there that are really great, like outspoken and like mainstream. And I'm like really happy for all the girls out there that are like, I don't feel comfortable in my skin. And, right. you know, there are girls on huge billboards now that like look like them. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Julie Solansky, thank you so much for giving me my first interview i'm so honored honestly anytime girl so exciting to hear the playback um hopefully it'll be on all of the things all of the platforms
Today's quote comes from Amelia Earhart, who said that the most difficult thing is the decision to act. The rest is merely tenacity. The fears are paper tigers. You can do anything you decide to do. You can act to change and control your life. And the procedure, the process, is its own reward. That's, once again, one more episode of the Theory of Enchantment podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to all the different segments we have for you today. As always, any feedback and retweets and likes are always, always welcome. And once again, I'm Chloe Valdry, your host. Thank you so, so much for listening.